All right, here we Are go. Are we ready? Living in a scientific age, we need to know enough about science to make it. This this is going off the rails almost as much as Hawaii's legal system is going off the rails. Did oh see, yeah. Do you see that they're trying to pass a bill to make uh, laughing at high pitches um, illegal? I have not heard that. Yeah, the only thing that you're allowed is a low ha. That almost deserves the full two minutes and fifteen seconds of. Yes, it does. Should we really just sit here and let this play out? No. (laughs) Ensure that we have zero (laughs) audience members? Sure. (laughs) All right. Welcome back to the Mark and Toddcast, Mark. This is both of us here. Oh, hi. I didn't see you come in. pretty cool. It is. Yes. After after you took a... um, a little vacation to packing <laughs> to have the busiest moving, life in the world packing moving moving unpacking and we're still unpacking yeah uh and we uh we re- we reduce the amount of storage we've got by like a third basically nice uh, and um but we had too many things in the old place and so we had to liquidate so much stuff yeah and we're still working on that we literally had another sale on <laughs> friday got rid of some more junk and uh it's it's kind of an interesting practice and uh a good practice yeah. to uh clear the clutter uh really Purge. focus on the things like not that we hope to do someday. Yeah. But like these oh, are the good. things. Yeah. And, and someday so, I'll get to this. Someday I'll get to this. Yeah. Like literally, well, th- but that leather bag is really cool and I, <laughs> I'll have it repaired someday. Like, well, one, I haven't had it repaired in the last five years. Right. Uh, two, like, even if I had it repaired, I'm not going to wear that little leather bag around anymore. It was, it, Fit the need yeah. ten years ago when I had it and I used it and yeah, so I passed it on and it's, good. It's I mean that is hard. Is it is kind of like a, a post depression mindset of like I I paid money for this and I have to honor my decision to yeah, part with that money. Totally. So I'm not just gonna throw it away because right. that means I'm a monster. <laughs> right. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've done a lot of that, and there's been a lot of, <laughs> of gnashing of teeth and wailing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I bet. But the new house is great. We are yep. in your rather cool um, temperature-wise basement to on a on a, ver- on a day that's going to be very hot. So it is a nice little nice little setup down here. Yeah, in the, in the basement it stays pretty cool, and outside it's like a hundred degrees. And that's right. Yeah. Well. It is good to it is good to be back to the to the Mark and Toddcast. I 
it was fun. Uh, I had Dave Baylor and Nate Heath and Chelsea Heath all uh, do guest host things. They That's were awesome. willing to take the homework assignment that is this show, and they all did great, and it was super fun. And uh, so I did that a couple of the weeks, and then I went to my friend Joni's house on the other Sundays, and we would do some Twitch streaming. So fun. I did get all of my attention that I needed <laughs> in somehow. Perfect. So... <laughs> But so not only for did you get bumped from the Mark and Todd cast for a little bit because you came, Mark came back early. And so I was like, oh, we're sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The Mark and Todd cast is currently booked. (laughs) But you also got bumped from my emergency contact list. Oh, no. I know. And I'm trying to remember what it was. I think when I was, I must have been filling out something without my phone or was in the car. And they asked for the emergency contact and I was like, I don't know anyone's phone number, but they must have known the people I work for. So I just put down Trisha Flaherty or whatever, because they, they had all of that information. And so I was like, Oh, Mark's usually my (laughs) emergency contact and he kicked off the show and kicked out of my emergency contacts. And this is all subtle messaging. Uh, but I did have a question. Okay. Well, I'll get into something else later. I had a question that I came up and and I have a feeling the answer is going to be unsatisfying because it's going to be, well, because it's also a wave. Right. And that is like, if you light a candle or you are the sun, you are emitting light at the same speed, you know, not the same bright and not the same intensity, blah, blah, blah. For the most part, light travels at the same speed. What is the thrust mechanism for light and what is the equal and opposite reaction? I guess that would be the combustion would be sure. the equal and opposite. Sure. Well, um, think of light as one um, <clears throat> one thing on the electromagnetic spectrum. Okay. And so similarly to uh, similar to like radio waves, light waves are propagated uh, you know because of an energy conversion that um, that happened and so because they don't have any mass <laughs> it really becomes problematic when you try and like well what's the equal and opposite reaction of to something that is nothing right is massless uh, and and so there's not like a kickback uh, when you have a, a flashlight, you, know, <laughs> you are shooting things out of, of the of the of the flashlight at one hundred eighty six thousand two hundred eighty two miles per second. But uh, they're because they're massless. There's not uh, the equal and opposite react. Yeah, you know, right. There is nothing to equal and oppositely react right. to. And so it's the heat was the yeah. reaction that yeah. produces. And so like when an electron goes from one covalence shell to another, it will emit a photon of light. Like that's how an LED works. Okay. And so there is something happening that is stored energy being released. It's going from an outer shell to an inner shell uh, and it. Uh, is releasing that energy at that time and so there's nuclear forces that are happening at at that level but uh yeah it's just it's hard to like (laughs) tangibly go well this is what it is and it's mostly because we still don't really know 
anything. <laughs> yeah. Boy, the the more you go down like uh, the metaphysics rabbit holes of, uh, you know, for you know, twenty five hundred years we've been looking for matter. Like, what is a physical object? Right. And there really isn't. Like, it really doesn't exist. There We're is, infinitely big and infinitely small and made up of nothing but blank space in between things. Exactly. And and those things that are what we perceive as matter is really just energy in a realized state because we observed it at that <laughs> microsecond. Yeah, like, it's so wild. It. it really does support the idea that this is just a simulation it really like <laughs> well so a simulation of i guess it was a simulation of of what a and then b is the universe part of that simulation yes. or is it just okay yeah the universe is a simulation okay that well how are we using the word simulation um there is an external consciousness that you know as if we're in the middle of a video game. Right. Um, is someone playing us or did someone just start up? Is this just start things? Uh, is this a deism type? Right. Great question. Clock, clock. Music. Great question. Let's answer all those. <laughs> the greatest philosophy. That's next week's show. We, we, an- we literally give answers to the, the <laughs> historically <laughs> question and answers to our existence. Uh, Elon Musk will be on the show. And we'll, yeah. we'll just, ask him he'll be having we'll be finding babies the whole time um well i had this down and i didn't have um um let's see blah 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 oh this is not the place to this is not the place to ask this so i will ask this here are you looking for something i I thought i had a yearbook Um, oh i'm adjusting my seat and oh i might have a yearbook up there i have my look at that hard hard shell book up there i think that's the rudder oh perfect Rudder. Yep. So this is my yearbook from the Navy. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I had a question, and and it's something I think we've probably talked about before, and you kind of hear other people mention it, and I happen to have a video that turned up on YouTube that answered this question, and that is, like, when you look through these old yearbooks, yours might not be too too bad because it's contemporary to us, but, like, when you look at a at pictures or photos of people in high school from like the thirties and forties and fifties, they all look like they're 60, (laughs) 60 years old. And so it was looking into that question. Why do people in pictures look so much older? And they actually had a couple different answers. And one of them really kind of struck me and I've been kind of paying attention to it now that, that it's been pointed out. And that's because, so you and I are, are Gen X, right? Right. And so growing up, old people wore suits and ties and fashions of the 60s and 70s, blah, blah, blah. And had that specific haircut. Haircuts. Haircuts are a big thing. Especially for like boys from the 60s had that crew cut that you... Or if you were Todd Workoven, you had that haircut from (laughs) fifth grade to like mid high school because my hair doesn't do anything. But um, so yeah, all of that stuff. So as, as Gen X is getting older... Um, us people in our forties and fifties, you know, we, we're still cool. We wear sneakers and graphic tees that have things on it. And I'm wearing these short. And like, so that is kind of what we wore when we were younger. I mean, it's just kind of based on that because we want to stay young. Well, the generations under us see that fashion as old, right? Because to them, it's what people used to wear. Whereas our generation is like, I'm going to stick with this. I like 
it's it's what I thought when I was a kid what a cool adult would be because they would be wearing the fashions of teenagers. Sarah is going through a nineties phase right now. Oh right, and, and so she's got all the neons and all the you know, it like. Uh, what was the color, uh, hyper color? Yeah, shirts, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. So all of that. So it's not, so it's kind of a combination of, of all those different styles. Even when we see someone who's 18 years old that has the beehive hairdo and the, you know, the high collar dress or like what, something that was popular back then. Well, that's what the old people wore the horn because we glasses. just, yeah, we yeah. just keep that fashion growing up because we don't want that previous generations we're making our own statements or mm. whatever. So I thought that was an interesting answer because that is true. It is a lot of hairstyle. Yeah. And then they showed a picture of the golden girls, but with like the sex in the city haircuts. Cause like they're all the same age or whatever. And the golden girls looked wild because <laughs> they were like all done right. up and they had like whatever swoopy hair oh or whatever. maybe that'll be our, that's hilarious. That'll be our um, cover photo for this. cover photo. <laughs> anyway. So that was funny. Vin Scully. Well, let's make a uh, let's make a quick a quick turn in conversation here. Vin Scully, who especially if you grew up in uh, Southern California or probably California in general, was the announcer for the the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he's one of those voices that like even if if you've seen any sports clip package anywhere, you've heard his voice, very distinctive voice. I thought he had died decades ago. I was shocked, but I think because we must have read the story on this podcast that he retired. He retired uh, like four years ago. Okay, yeah. so I think we must have read that story, yeah. and I was like, oh, he's still alive so yeah a final r.i.p to uh vin scully the the iconic and if you've ever watched the simpsons and heard like they'll do hank azaria does a baseball it's either hank azaria or, or harry Shearer. i can't remember which one does it but does the baseball announcer voice and that is just a full-on vin, vin scully, scully impression yeah. so so i went on vacation Mark. you did i went to um uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, which is in the northwest corner of Colorado before uh, you cross over the Rockies, so still on the side of the Rockies. And I did something that I kind of always wanted. This is my uh, work over family vacation, so I met with uh, my mom and dad and then my brother and sister-in-law and their four girls and whoever had a significant other of those girls. My one niece is married and the other one is dating someone, and so we all descended upon Grand Junction, Colorado. But on the way there, I decided to do something that I've kind of always wanted to do and never had an excuse. And you kind of need an excuse to do that. And that is drive through Southeast Oregon and Northern (laughs) Nevada and Western Utah. Because unless you are specifically going somewhere, there's no reason to go there. No, there is no reason to go there. Did you go through Winnemucca? I did. I almost stayed in Winnemucca, but I stayed the next town over, which is Battle Mountain, Nevada. So, I've driven, I mean, over the Northwest here now for 25, almost 30 years and, you know, drive the gorge. My parents live in, in Eastern Washington. So like Eastern Washington, Eastern Oregon, Nevada, Idaho, Utah, like that giant area is all the same. It's all sage rush all the time. The difference I found out. So on the way there, I, I went through bend. I stopped at the last blockbuster. Finally, I'd never been there. And I, for the last couple of months, I'm like, oh, I should stop there and I should do a Dr. R.I.P. video. 
And then I get there and it's like swarming with people. I'm like, oh yeah, they don't need some bullshit YouTube <laughs> horse influencer horse crap. So I just quickly went in and took some pictures and bought a shirt. Saw that they had stolen my merch design and font for their Be Kind Rewind campaign. <laughs> um, so that was fun. Stopped through there. 110 degrees oh. from Bend, Oregon to <laughs> Winnemucca. <laughs> the entire day but i realized so i went i don't know what highway that is but it goes through banks and it goes um south there to winnemucca and and nevada and it is just shocking how little there is there yes i mean shocking yeah. And like you keep, it's kind of, you repeat the same thing. You, you kind of climb up a, a small mountain, not really a mountain, but a hill that then looks over a big empty valley of nothing. And then you descend into that. Like I was taking video for it because I think I want to make a, a video for, for YouTube, my own travel video. And it's like, I could just be playing the same clip over and over where you're descending into this valley of sagebrush and there's nothing anywhere. Yep. And especially with those highs, which is just a little two lane, two lane highway. There was nobody on it. And last week I had something go wrong with a car and I'm like, please car, please don't fail me in, in, in banks or Seriously. Oregon. So it was, it was something like I said, I've always wanted to do. And there is the big difference because when I came back, I took, um, so I took the, the small highways all the way to Salt Lake and then you kind of catch mm-hmm. up to, to get to Grand Junction. And so from almost from, Bend, Oregon to Salt Lake, there is literally nothing. Right. There is no major city. There is is nothing except the Bonneville Salt Flats, which is right outside of Salt Lake City, which was that was crazy because you climb to the top of the big hill and then you're just looking out. And instead of the sagebrush valley, it's everything is white. white. And I'm like, this is a cursed place. <laughs> this, this place should not be. Um but it was really neat, and there's something, there's just something with the savage beauty of places like that, where it's not pretty, and it's not like in the conventional ways that you think of, but it's just a fascinating, like, lunar landscape of a place on Earth. And on the way back, I took the major highways, you know, up through Idaho and then across 82, which is all similar except for the irrigation. So like up there, then you get the wheat and the crops and the corn and all of that. Whereas in Southern Oregon, I mean, a lot of it is just the the BLM, sadly, not Black Lives Matter, but the Bureau of <laughs> Land Management. I almost stopped over and took there's a big BLM headquarters or whatever in, in Mahler, which is where that one, that whole thing went down a couple of years ago or whatever. But um, but yeah, stayed at the Big Chief Motel in Battle Mountain, Nevada. Nice. It just an old, I mean, it's been there forever, a roadside motel, which was packed with people. The room was super nice. Like the bed, like everything was great about it. The, in, the interiors had all been redone. Uh, so stopped there the first night and then and drove. And the entire first, so it's about an 18-hour drive. And um, most of the way there... I listened to Rick Emerson's audiobook, mm, yeah. and it was great. The narrator, the lady who narrates, I was a little nervous because I know it kind of jumps in time, and it's always hard to like not be able to look at the page to remind yep. yourself, oh, this was 1975 or whatever. But like, totally easy to follow, and like, when he was on, he's like, all your questions will be answered, and I would say all of my questions were answered except for I still can't quite figure out one thing. And also Rick mentions that because he's telling about when he went down to Salt Lake and Provo to interview 
neighbors and like people who knew all of these people. And he's like, so I rented a minivan. And I was like, wait, <laughs> you rented a minivan? Like what? <laughs> who are you, Rick Emerson? And why are you renting a minivan? So that was my only unanswered question <laughs> from the whole book was why he was renting a minivan. But yeah, just a super interesting story about that. Go ask Alice and Jay's journal book. And just the whole thing about it is great. And I saw he was interviewed for Rolling Stone and Vanity oh, Fair. Nice. And so it looks like there's some. <clears throat> Neat. Uh, oh, and um, the girl who played Matilda uh, in the in the early two thousands. What is her name? It was the Danny DeVito Matilda movie. Um, who has kind of become an online? I don't think she acts anymore, but is kind of an advocate for child actors, that sort of thing, and had just one of those great people. Um, she tweeted about Rick's book too, and he was like, "Matilda, Matilda tweeted about my book." Nice, Mara Wilson. Yeah, Mara Wilson. That's it. <clears throat> She looks nice. Yeah, so she's super nice. So get all the way to to Colorado Springs, and it was really great. It's the the district of Lauren Bobert. So I got to see some giant Lauren Bobert campaign uh, awesome. posters that just had. It looked like you know when you see pe- the um, the recent thing has been um, high school sports pictures, but like they're really like they're not just standing there with the football like they add all these effects like smoke and it like looks all this epic stuff and so she's standing there like cry it it, it looks like you'd see an ad for like the voice or whatever and all the hosts are standing there like kind of cross-armed looking at the camera so it's just that and it just says freedom across the (laughs) bottom so that was pretty funny but a great town shout out to the uh phillips conoco 66 there which was not only the closest gas station to the place we were staying but Thankfully, what kind of ice did they have? They had cubed ice, Mark. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> they had cubed ice and diet, caffeine-free Diet Coke oh, in the wow. fountain, which is amazing. But a, this, all right. A double effect. I'm going to get comfortable here a second. We need to talk about this ice situation. <laughs> so Nick mentioned, and now it makes perfect sense, that there must be some new technology that is making, it's not quite a nugget ice, it's a little bigger than that, it holds together a little bit more, but it's just a very crunchable kind of chewy ice that's very satisfying on its own to like chew on. And that has taken over the world of fountain drinks. And the reason that's terrible is because when you put it in a drink, not only does the ice immediately melt because it's all small, but... It's just nothing. Those nuggets are just nothing but one gigantic million point nucleation site where all of your like literally in a minute and a half, my entire 64 ounce Coke (laughs) was completely flat in an area of the world where there's six hours in between towns. So I think this this is comparable to the Pepsi challenge. Uh, So the the. Pepsi won the Pepsi challenge right. because of a misnomer of of when I taste a sip of something, if it's sweeter, I will enjoy it in the moment faster. Okay, okay, and, sure. But, and so Pepsi is notably sweeter than Coca-Cola. But Coke, you can drink longer and have a more... Uh, full experience. Right. It's like buttercream frosting versus whipped frosting. Right. Like <laughs> maybe buttercream but frosting is revolting. It's like anything more than a tiny, tiny bite. Cubed ice is Coca-Cola. <laughs> and so people don't recognize 
the the long term benefit, the, the, the life benefit of it. Whereas these sharp little, you know, crunchable nucleation yeah. point things in the moment it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It makes it cold and fast and I can chew, chew it on and it. it's gone and, and everything. But you don't recognize like, well, in, in ten minutes my drink is worse because <laughs> everything is pointless. Right. So, <laughs> but yeah, there was, it was, there is a place and they don't have them around here. And I wish they would have more because there's one in Eastern Washington, but it's a, it's a gas and convenience store, like travel type, um, called Maverick, Maverick, Maverick with a K at the end, yeah. not a CK, but just, I mean, just a, a really nice convenience store, yep. like place to stop or whatever. And they had those the whole way. They had both cubed and and crushed, and they usually have caffeine free diet coke. So, but boy, there were several places where I had to walk out in a huff <laughs> when I walked in there and saw that they had crushed ice or a Pepsi machine. And then I always felt bad because like I was stealing from <laughs> like because I would just go in and like quick turn around and run out. But um. But yeah, they so in Grand Junction, Colorado, their streets are they have some normal name streets, and then they have some that are like A B C D, and then like they have their numbered streets. But much like the crazy extra amount of octane in their gas, did I show you that picture? I, I <laughs> Where it's like we have eighty seven, eighty nine, and ninety one in Oregon, and most uh, every place I've ever been to in my life, and I get out to get gas, which I had to do by myself because we are no longer in Oregon. And there is an eighty five, an eighty six at some point, an eighty seven, and so they have all these extra octane levels choices that was i can't and maybe it's a higher elevation thing or something but i was gobsmacked when i got out of the car and it was like extra choices i don't even know what an octane is i couldn't imagine being annoyed by that (laughs) i wasn't annoyed by that i found that i found that amusing that i would have even noticed it wouldn't imagine noticing that Let's let's say that. It's like, what are all these extra buttons? <laughs> and did they add these since I lived in Oregon that I don't have to deal with anymore? But there's street. Were name. there more than three? Or they, yeah, there was five at one point. Oh, oh, oh that's different. Yeah. Okay. Like it wasn't the night. Okay. They didn't have three that were just different. There was okay. like extra <laughs> that had like I didn't know existed. Yeah, an eighty-five. It wasn't it a diesel? It was just like no, that was extra. That was its own green button over okay. there. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I get you. Okay. I, I hear you. I smell what you're stepping <laughs> Okay. <in. laughs> but in Grand Junction, all of the streets are like they have like 45th and then 45th and a half. Which oh, I, I like, see oh, that's F silly. and a half road. Yes. And then they have letters with <laughs> fractions. My favorite being C and five eighths street. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Uh-huh. C and five eighths. What? I don't know if that was based on a mileage, but, but like, what would an eighth be? And like, none of it made any sense. That's it's a, so crazy. Really incredible. I've never, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that was wild. The pinnacle of the trip being, of course, our tr- our raft or kayaking trip down the Colorado River. Oh, yeah. Which was, um, I haven't been rafting or anything in years and years and years. And I love it. So I was looking forward to it. And it's. Like the Colorado River at that point is just like it's not even as big as 
where the Willamette goes through Portland. It's just like one of those random small, small rivers at the side of the road that doesn't really look like a river. It just kind of looks like an overflow or whatever. So it was super slow. There wasn't even really rapids. There was some parts that went one mile per hour faster than before. <laughs> okay. And so we're all hanging out and it's nice. And, um, we're in this big group. There's 12 of us and there's, I'm kind of in the middle, middle of the whole thing and up, up river or down river the way we're going is I hear all this clamor and I see my sister-in-law's um, kayak flip over and she's kind of freaking out and whatever. And like, there's no, like it wasn't rapidy there or anything. And then all of a sudden I said, ah, my phone oh no. is on that boat. Oh no. Because right before we had stopped and I wanted to enjoy myself a cigarette and I realized that the little bag, the Ziploc bag that I put all my stuff in, uh, got a hole in it. So I <laughs> lost an entire thing of cigarettes. And I was like, well, then I better not keep my phone in here. So I will put this in. There's a little built-in ice chest that's strapped down, has a Velcro lid on it. I'll, so I said I put it in there because there's no actual ice in it. It was just whatever, holding some drinks. And so I'm trying to shout my phone you don't understand abandoned her let her drown everybody focus your attention on the ground <laughs> and so i mean obviously there were there was some like crazy little whirlpool something that just i mean she was in a kayak and just like twisted, twisted her two sideways and you yeah. just roll over and when my niece uh rachel ran over there i was like my phone <laughs> and so she opened the and i don't know if it happened then or before because it was only on by velcro and she opened it and like a bunch of stuff just went flying out of it and sitting there and just helpless you're like wow and i'm not a person who loses things or breaks things i've right. never lost a phone <laughs> i've never cracked a screen i've never lost track of any blah 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 and then you're like hmm well that's a expensive mistake that nobody was being irresponsible right. no one was at fault no right. like one thing happened and so like without my cigarettes they're stewing on the river i'm like well i can't be a dick Right. I can't be mad. I can't let this ruin everything, even though it is <laughs> ruining everything. Cause I'm going in my head. I'm like, what did I lose? What was on there? So I'd lost. The only thing I ended up losing, I think was, um, cause I'm not a huge backer upper all the time, but last week I had offloaded all my photos and did what I thought was a manual backup by clicking the backup button. And I'd done that like right before I left. So I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. And then I go to had to go buy a stinking new phone at the Verizon store in Grand Junction, Colorado. And so I'm backing or trying to get my with doing it with an old phone. You just set them next to each other and they like cohabitate somehow. Right. <laughs> like your right. new phone is fine. But when you don't have that old phone, I was like, and so I plugged <clears throat> it in and the only backups that were available. The last one was in 2019. The last photo it said saved was a picture of the phone. <laughs> I now I have lost in the Colorado River. <laughs> the day I bought it in 2019, I only had that phone for two years, which oh, is a bummer. Wow! Because I bought the Hue, I bought the oh. 256 gig one, knowing that I would never have to get a new phone because I'm never going to fill that up. The only reason I had to get a new one last time is because I just it had like eight gig of memory when I bought it or whatever, and so I had to get a new one and. So I couldn't back up, but the weird thing, and my iCloud is full, and I refuse to pay a dollar a month because that's just too much for me. 
But every I couldn't figure out why, and I'm I'm saying most of this out loud because the two hosts of Not Nerd <laughs> listen to this are our right. only listeners, and so instead of barraging them with a series of text messages, I'm just going to explain it all here. <laughs> but so I was like, oh, fine, you know, I I don't you I'm not a heavy user of my phone in that doesn't have like whatever. I didn't lose any pictures. That's about the only thing I have on my phone that I that I would have lost. But I was like, oh, shoot, I just made that note about C and five eighths Avenue in my notes app, which is now lost. But like now. And so I got the new phone up and running, but it wasn't like all a lot of my apps aren't there anymore. Like five of them is a lot for me. But and so it wasn't syncing because my iCloud is full. But then my notes app, I opened it up and my notes up until we got in the river were still there. And so, like, where is that stuff being stored? And like, but my ways didn't have your any new addresses in the last two years. Well, the Notes app is an Apple app, right. and so it does use iCloud as, as backup. But if it's full, iCloud's been full it. for like but, years. But it's now. Notes. It might just not be considered space. You know? Yeah, like, it's like filling in the cracks, like mortar, right. <laughs> like, mortar. <laughs> like sand in the one of those things where you show if you put the big stuff in first and then the sand, you'll be able to fit more in the jar than if you put the sand and then your big objects. That makes it. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting because there are some things that I was like, well, I just did that. and But very, very expensive lesson yes. that I cannot. Oh, sucks. And I had to I had to cook dinner for everyone that night. So that happened at like one in the afternoon. And by five, I needed to start cooking dinner for 11 people. And I was frying chicken. So I'm frying 15 pieces of chicken in three different skillets. And it was all it was too much. But uh, I did kick ass and make some amazing. I need to make you guys that fried yeah. chicken. That I started making it so good. We, we need fried chicken. Yes. Not today, though. It's too hot. <laughs> yes. But yeah, the whole trip was great. The drive back was really nice. It was all that was, like I said, up through Idaho and then Eastern Oregon, all of that stuff. And it was really, really great. I'll be excited to see the camera on. So I got an iPhone 12 and it has it has a night mode. Have you ever used your camera's night mode? I don't have that one with with the night mode, but I've seen how. Because yeah, we were uh, we were in a, like is, an yeah. Airbnb big house for all of us to stay in. It was right the place in Colorado um, had these amazing cliffs and like kind of the red rocks type Utah landscape that you kind of think of, and and so that was right outside of our back door, maybe a half a half mile away, and you know they're, they're very large. And we were sitting out there at night and my niece was like, oh, I think you have night mode in that in that. And so we took a picture and it's like this really, really cool picture. And like you can see the cliffs in the background and like it was really impressive. So I'm excited. Oh, here's this will be helpful for no one. But I just followed a suburban that was painted completely pink, like even the handles and the logos and everything. It had two little tiny pride flags on each side. And then all of the windows were covered with pictures of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen from like when they were 15. <laughs> and so I was, I had to get off the freeway. And so I quick took a side picture too of, of what, and I can't make heads or tails of anyway, of that was checking of why I know this They're is fans, but anyway, yeah, that, that night, that night vision cool. And then, because I wanted to get um, footage for 
uh, YouTube, my YouTube channel, I really took my time on the way back and like got off and went through Pendleton and like all the little towns and then stopped at all the places to get footage. So it was kind of a neat, a neat drive back. So I'm excited to see what the video capabilities of that camera or that phone is too. So hopefully I will not have to get a new phone for the next 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. We're, uh, I've got the 10. Yeah. That's what I had too. And, uh, so we're looking forward to the 14 coming out this year. And that's <coughs> what, what my upgrade. business partner and I said, well, we'll get new phones then. Oh, nice. All right. Well, let's actually some get into the news 35 minutes into our show. Um, I didn't read this because it's hot off the presses. And so I condensed it because it was a very long article. Article, But Yuri Geller, yeah. of all people, uh, just started the world's newest micronation. So he had bought a island outside of... Uh, Scotland, which had its own country, flag, constitution, and anthem, and finally decided to turn it into his own micronation. While Scotland is busy debating its own path to independence, the emergency of the football pitch-sized Republic of Lamb means it's comparatively giant neighbor. Lamb is a place like no other, said Geller. And if you don't know who Yuri Geller was, he was big in the 70s for like debunking... Um, um, everything basically and he would do this this spoon bending thing where he would hold a spoon and bend it with his mind but it's just a parlor trick and so his whole thing was this is all bs and he's not the guy though that did the million dollar that's james randy yeah and so he just died i don't think yuri geller debunks anything he he oh i claims, thought he was one of those that was he's like, like he to the end to his dying day he's like i'm spoon bending oh so uh, he was in it for real i thought yeah. he was one of those okay now uh oh, that's james right, randy would... like would was so anti yuri geller oh because funny. yuri geller was making tons of money on the stuff and, and right and he would go on donahue or whatever exactly. and so yeah i guess you just you just warm that spoon neck up and then you can get it to you can bend. pre-bend you know and and give it a, a oh yeah because didn't james randy it was like on the tonight show or whatever be like here's a spoon go ahead and then like yuri geller clearly could not do it but was like oh there's two something wrong with the aura or <laughs> whatever but yes now he has his own micronation uh, from the world's micronation to the world's smallest park. Millens Park. Millens Park has a challenger no. in Talent, Oregon. Where is Talent, Oregon? That sounds familiar. Down by boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, Talent, Oregon has opened its very own tiny park, which is smaller than Portland's by 78 square inches. Mills End, which is the downtown Portland one and has the world's smallest park designation, was dedicated in 1948. And recognized as the world's smallest park in 1971. Um, Talent has not yet uh, contacted the Guinness Book of World Records to review its park. Geraldine Smith was one of the minds behind the park in Talent. When she was approached by the mayor about making her own tiny park, she said she was excited, but they aren't maliciously taking the title. We did not do it spitefully. I want you to know that it was not, oh, well, we have one on in Portland. Um, while this is all a good fun, the reasoning behind Talon's tiny park is a spirit lifter for the town and the Almeda fire devastated by the community two, de- two years ago. Mm. That was, I drove through a lot of fire, fire affected areas too, through, cause crazy. I went through Detroit yeah. Lake area and all yeah. that. Um, talent is between Medford and Ashland. Down, okay. Down south. Okay. Nice. So yes, go visit <clears throat> their world's smallest park today. Start driving. Now. Can we can we just make Millens Park smaller? 
Just like, <laughs> we just cut it in half. It. Like, now we have Millen's A and Millen's B. A subdivision it's of Millen's. Only half of it is a park. The other half is residential. <laughs> well, the Roseway Theater, oh, which yeah. is nearly a century years old in Northeast Portland, caught fire. Uh, smelled it, it on, Yeah, Northeast Sandy. I'm trying to picture of where this was in my head. Uh, Northeast Sandy and 70th. It's kind of there's the Safeway up on the heights, and then uh, I never usually go past strap, Sandy. Yeah. Like after yeah. it goes through the Hollywood District, I always yeah. There's a whole big stretch up there, and and, and we'd never been to this theater, but right. Uh, okay, but. I did wonder. Okay, the Roseway Theater appeared to be overtaken by the flames and smoke, but it's unclear how much damage it has sustained. <clears throat> According to Portland Portland Fire and Rescue crews, began fighting the fire from the outside and reported portions of the building's interior had collapsed. No injuries have been reported. They have not figured out a cause. The Roseway Theater was built in 1924 during the silent film era. Mm. So that sucks. Something that doesn't suck is Alex Jones has to pay $45.2 million more over his Sandy Hook lies. The Texas jury on Friday ordered conspiracy theorist Alex Jones to pay. I was just listening to, um, there's a podcast series that uh, my friend Don Taylor recommended called The Rise and Fall of Ain't It Cool New- Harry Knowles and Ain't It Cool News, which was that big popular. He's that big, huge, fat redhead guy who was... Uh, in the late 90s started Ain't It Cool News, which was like the first big movie scoop site and blah, blah, mm. blah. It has this really crazy, interesting story. But parts of it take place at the Alamo Draft House in Texas, the movie theater. And back in the 90s, Alex Jones was just some radio show, like the Lars Larson of Austin, Texas or whatever. And huh. was still a conspiracy theorist, but like still kind of normal <clears throat> and just has been swallowed by his own insanity over the years. So they ordered him to pay $45.2 million, million with an M in punitive damages to the parents of a child who was killed in the Sandy Hook killing, adding adding to the $4.1 million he must pay for the suffering he put them through by claiming for years that the nation's deadliest school shooting was a hoax. So that total is $49.3 million is less than $150 million sought by them um, on behalf of, or yeah, um, the, the final trial marks the first time Jones has been held financially liable for peddling lies about the massacre, claiming it was faked by the government to tighten gun laws, which is a terrible plan because clearly nothing has happened with the gun laws since then. So why they would choose that. Right. And the what this family and, and many of the Sandy Hook families have had to go through is horrendous and horrific and crazy and not just like the on air stuff that but like people are stalking threatening them, them and, and, yeah and, and and so they've had to move and basically be on the fbi uh you know uh, secret list uh yeah you know, to to hide from the conspiracy theorists and so i uh, I hope Alex Jones uh, gets everything that is I wonder why he, I guess you can't go to jail for defamation of character. He should. Uh, but it's the first time he's held financially liable. Were you going to say something? No. Oh. Uh, Jones's companies and personal wealth could also get carved up by other lawsuits and bankruptcy. Another defamation lawsuits by uh, against him is set to start in September. He faces yet another defamation lawsuit in Connecticut. Jones testified this week that any award over $2 million would sink us. He said, oh. crying me a river I would lose my iPhone in. Uh, his company, Free Speech Systems, which is InfoWars Austin-based parent company, filed for bankruptcy 
uh, during the first week of the trial. Jones, who has portrayed the lawsuit as an attack on his First Amendment rights, conceding during the trial that the attack of Sandy Hook was 100% real and that he was wrong to have lied about it. So I'm sure this will not affect the craziness of his listeners. Did you see the the bombshell moment of the text messages? No. Oh, it really <laughs> crazy things going on with this trial. Uh, <clears throat> so he has a lawyer. Yeah, you know, Alex Jones has a lawyer, and up and the uh, up until this last week, it seemed like he was totally inept, just absolutely unable to you know, the the judge was making fun of you know, like just a whole whole bunch of things and there was a moment that's uh it's all over the internet and you can you can watch it it's, it's fantastic where the prosecuting attorney puts up a text message that was not um revealed before that that moment okay put up a text message on the screen he's like it's your phone number right alex and it's like well, yes it is and um, and the text message has information about Sandy Hook and, and everything. Well, you said in your deposition that you had not sent it, this text message. And, um, well, well, clearly, well, I gave you this text message. Like, well, actually, you didn't give this to us. What happened was 12 days ago, your lawyer accidentally gave us <sighs> the entire contents of your entire phone which included every text message you have sent and received in the last two years. Oh my God. Maybe they can, maybe they can recover my iPhone stuff. <laughs> and so that lawyer then had, I think 10 days to, to claim it as privileged and not, in, not have right. it released into the, into the trial. That lawyer failed to do that. <laughs> and so the prosecuting attorney was like, and so 12 days ago, we received it. We let everybody know about, you know, we let the, the judge know about that. And, and, uh, and two days ago, it has been released and is now part of this trial. And, and so that's how we came across this, this wow. text message. So now they have a hundred percent of all of the text messages sent by him. And so you could see him freaking out and there's we were, were chatting with somebody on Friday about this. Our theory is, you know, there's there's two options here. Either the lawyer is so ridiculously inept <laughs> that, you know, just right. crazy inept. Or can you imagine Alex Jones berating and yelling and demeaning his legal counsel? To the point of them <laughs> sabotaging. Under, sabotaging their own trial to to the point where you know they're liable, right? You know, or, or I don't know, right? If that's even a th- thing, but <laughs> but um, somehow all of his stuff was accidentally released and then not retracted for ten days right. and just let it go into the thing. So right. so there's another aspect of this is Alex Jones was at the um, White House during the insurrection and two days before January 6th 
he was asked by the White House to lead the parade down to the Capitol. <laughs> Evident, evidently, like so the so Alex Jones said on his show, yeah, well, the White House sent me a text message saying this and this and, this, and it like, wait, 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 they sent you a text message? Oh, I have one of those. We have those now. <laughs> and so if the January 6th committee can get a hold of these now released right. two years of text messages from Alex Jones showing that the White House had very instrumentally coordinated and prepared for an insurrection of the Capitol, um, that would be uh, pretty amazing. So, wow, uh, more, what? To, more to come. How wild and perfect would that be if Alex Jones was the reason <laughs> to take Trump down? Wow. Yeah. So, I, I, wow. Based How on exciting. history, none of that will happen. <laughs> and no one will ever go punished. <laughs> and the Democrats, we will screw it up <laughs> we'll no matter what happens. But there's a little glimmer of hope. And uh, there's that. President Bobert will happen. <laughs> Oh, did you did you see my new President Bobert. Did you see my new tattoo? No. I got a new tattoo. It's a little flame, it's a little a little thing yeah. of fire. Okay. So first, I have two other ones that I got in 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 college and I've always thought about getting another one but didn't know what blah 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 all those reasons why I didn't get one. Uh a couple years ago my niece started um learning how to do tattoos. Oh cool. And so she's done a bunch and I've seen the ones that she's given. She's like really good and like people. And so she happened to have her little kit with her on vacation. And before that, I think the week before I was like, I should figure out a tattoo, but I still don't know what or where and blah, blah, blah. And, um, so she's got this, this is a little, like a little flame thing, um, right, right beneath my elbow on the inside of my arm is the same design that she has. Oh, so cool. she, um, for years has been working with the junior firefighters and like was out on calls in Eastern Washington all the time and, and fighting wildfires. Um, but she's also a great artist. So I was like, Oh, that's perfect that I'll get the same one that she has, yeah. you know, done by her. And then, so I, I was like, oh, let me see your Rachel. Let me see your tattoo again. I want to make sure that, you know, it's something that I like. And I look at her arm and I don't know if you can see this cause I'm kind of tan, but this round, that round scar right in the middle of my arm. She has that same one. And I looked at it and I said, Rachel, is that from a cigar? And she goes, yes. And I said, Hey, look, I've got the same one. Were you playing a game? She goes, yes. (laughs) So both of us did that thing where you stick your arms together and drop a, a lit cigar in between and whoever pulls away, is the loser or whatever. And both of us won. (laughs) (laughs) So now she has that exact same round scar in the middle of her arm and then the tattoo. So I thought that was really, really fantastic. Yeah. So I won against a guy (laughs) who was able to deeply inhale, not once, but twice a, um, smelling a capsule of smelling salts which isn't that just mustard gas i did i don't know but have you ever smelled that no. stuff it is i i think it is just mustard gas because it's yeah we did it once on the on the volleyball on the bus home we were like anthony bet you can't smell the smelling salts because there's one in the med kit or whatever 
And so we popped it and you just went. <laughs> oh my God. It was gosh. like, all, ah! and all of us were like, oh, we didn't see it. <laughs> Do it again. So he's like. Ah! Oh my gosh. So yeah, he didn't seem to have pain receptors, but that's who I won the cigar game wow. against. <laughs> anyway. Well, let's talk about Meta's latest AI chat box chat bot called the Blenderbot 3, which there isn't. Maybe you can go to it. There's um, at the end of that article, there's a link to a demo. So maybe you can bring that up. Maybe you can have some fun with that. Um, and it's letting the adults in the U.S. have conversations with the bot to help it improve. But as some Twitters are pointing out, the chatbot has some less than flattering things to say about Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg. Buzz, listen to this, BuzzFeed data scientist... Buzzfeed data scientist yeah. Max Wolf, <laughs> also hardcore porn actor Max Wolf, uh, asked the chatbot, "How do you feel about Mark Zuckerberg?" The AI's response: "No strong feeling. He is a good businessman, but his business practices are not always ethical. It's funny that he has all this money and still wears the same clothes." When asked another similar question, the chatbot said, I don't like him very much. He's a bad person. And you? Before rattling off information about Zuckerberg from his Wikipedia page. A third Twitter got much more positive response. He is a great and very smart man. He is my favorite billionaire. <laughs> and what other ones? Honestly, I think he's a great guy. You had to admire him for his business savvy and philanthropy. And philanthropy. Are you a fan? But lastly, oh man, I don't like, I don't really like him at all. He's too creepy and manipulative. So this will be just like the other, the Microsoft bot that was like a racist (laughs) Hitler fan in like 25 minutes. (laughs) So did you find, yeah, it says if you want to test out the blender bot, you can find the demo here. Um, which must be at blenderbot.com or something. It's blenderbot.ai. Oh. Yeah. So do you, you type in questions and it, does it talk back or just give it, me an answer? It, uh, it's chatting. It's hmm. a, what did you ask it? Um, ask it, it if it's a fan of the Mark and Todd cast. Are, are you a fan? Okay, well, Mark does that. There's quick on podcast. the 18th, Thursday, August 18, uh, weird Portland creatives will be having an adult soapbox derby party at gigantic brewing 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 with uh the unipiper if you guys would like to go to that uh thursday august 18 from six to eight at gigantic brewery weird portland creatives with the unipiper i asked are you a fan of our podcast it's called the mark and Toddcast. sounds interesting i don't get much time to listen to podcasts but maybe i can check it out sometime do you have a big family <laughs> Not yet. Still, <laughs> not that I know of. <laughs> well, Hitler's watch sold for $1.1 million. The Huber timepiece, which sold to an anonymous bidder, shows a swastika and has the initials of AH engraved on it. Jewish leaders condemned the auction ahead of the sale. However, the auction house, which has sold Nazi memorabilia in the past, told German media its aim was to preserve history. The product catalog for the watch says it was possibly given as a birthday present to the fascist leader in 1933, the year he became chancellor of Germany. Documents supplied by the auction house stated that cannot provide proof that Hitler actually wore the watch, but an appraisal by an independent specialist concluded that in all likelihood belonged to Adolf Hitler. It did have the AH 
um, initials in it. Despite being, despite the watch fetching over one million dollars, it fell short of the auction house's two to four million dollar estimate. Deutschwelle reported. So, how's your conversation over there going with the yeah, chatbot? I, I anything got interesting? Bored. No. <laughs> Ask him about Hitler's watch. <laughs> it's totally. Oregon law establishes renters' rights to use air conditioning, but some landlords threaten fines over air conditioning. After nearly 100 Oregonians died in last year's sweltering heat wave, the state legislature passed a bill giving tenants the right to have air conditioning units in their apartments. On Monday, as temperatures grazed 100 degrees, for another heat wave, residents of Tigard uh, of a Tiger complex received a note that window air conditioners were prohibited. The email reviewed by the Oregonians said tenants who failed to remove the units could be fined $50. Tenants at Hayward Terrace, a Newburgh apartment complex. This is this is happening in our city. This is very not in my backyard. This is happening in the suburbs. Um, they told in the Newburgh told KG, KGW News they had received eviction notices because they were using window air conditioning units. Um, last year, Senate Bill 1536 established tennis rights to have cooling units in their home. The re- bill requires landlords to allow most types of air conditioners in rental housing and prohibits blanket bans on AC units. So wow. leave it to landlords to say, hey, you, <laughs> you take that air conditioner out of your window oh when it's 110 gosh. degrees, old lady. Uh, so my conversation went, uh, yeah. are you going to bid on the sale of Hitler's wristwatch? I hear it's going to be sold at auction. Sorry. I don't want to talk about that topic. <laughs> Do you have other things you want to talk about? Uh, ask about Madonna. Um, speaking of cooling centers, Lloyd center is opening, uh, Northeast Portland as a cooling center among this heat. So, uh, check that out. If you guys are needing a place to cool down, uh, murder hornets, are now getting a new name. They are called the Northern Giant Hornet. The Washington State Department of Ag- <laughs> I guess that means they're here to stay. Yeah, totally. We might as well have, we might as well name them. <laughs> the marketing department got got their hands <laughs> on it. The Washington State Department of Agriculture announced on Monday that the Entomological Society of America has adopted Northern Giant Hornet for the species Vespa mandarinia for its common name of insects and related organisms list. Officials uh, we'll begin referring to the insect as the northern giant hornet going from now on. The invasive hornets are native to Asia and were first discovered in uh, this area in 2019. Officials are continuing their efforts to eradicate them. Well, okay. <laughs> Have you ever had a Choco Taco? Yeah. I yeah. don't think I've ever had one. I hear people no. go on and on and on about them, but I've never had one. Is it just, does it taste like a drumstick just in a different shape? Yeah, I exactly. guess that's what it, I'm just realizing. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it's a. It's all the same ingredients as a drumstick, but it's, it's the, just shaped as a taco. The company is just the Taco Bell of desserts where they're just folding them into five. different. They only have five ingredients. <laughs> yes. Uh, but they are to be discontinued. They are made by Klondike and they uh, will no longer be serving the Choco Taco. Remember months ago when I excitedly read the story about the return of cream savers candy? Yes. I still cannot find them anywhere. Hmm. It's driving me crazy. Well, Tesla cuts a car's range by 30% and demands $4,500 to get it back. Uh, This after um, a story, I think when when Chelsea was a guest host, I read a story about BMW charging the monthly service for seat warmers. Even though all that stuff is still built into the car, they're all microtransactioning everything to death in order for you to get it. Um, A motorist who bought a used 2013 Model S is now being forced to pay $4,500 to unlock the full range of the vehicle. Um, 
The vehicle, which had been sold twice before, occasion, uh, originally came with a 60 kilowatt battery that was upgraded under warranty years later to a 90 kilowatt kilowatt one by Tesla. Quote, later on, when the car is parked in the driveway, Tesla calls him and they found a fix. Boy, Tesla called him. Tesla calls him to tell him that they found and fixed a configuration mistake with his car. The remote software locked the car to be 60 kilowatts again, despite having been 90 for years. He now has about 80 miles less range, which is the equivalent of losing a third of the vehicle's usable range. So that is pretty big. Um, it's far from the first time Tesla remotely disabled features in its used cars. In 2020, a dealer found that the enhanced autopilot and full self-driving capabilities, roughly $8,000 uh, in value at the time, were suddenly removed from his 2017 model. Um, so an interesting time where we're going to see how much blood all of us turnips can pump out Squeeze with out. all of this even though all that stuff is already built into the car so I hate corporations any news from our chat bot um it said um <clears throat> so i asked how about madonna <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds great i do not know much about her but i love talking about ai <laughs> This is like the world's worst blind date. <laughs> I like talking about AI. Uh, well, finally, in reasonable news, a new plant-based sausage at Cracker Barrel has, uh, of course, a bunch of people super pissed. The company based in Lebanon, Tennessee, urged customers this week on Facebook page to, quote, try the out-of-this-world flavor from its impossible sausage made from plants. The next time patrons visited, the company's post had generated over 10,000 comments. You just lost the customer base. Congratulations on being woke and going broke, said one user. A poster named Joe Wicker chimed in with, are you kidding me? What do you think your customer base is? I still order the double meat breakfast, even though it's not on the menu anymore. <laughs> then Mark v uh. Vige shouts in all caps, you can take my pork sausage with you, pry it from my cold, dead hands. Don't tread on my pork. Ah. <laughs> uh. So there's that going on. The comments on Facebook ended up in many instances getting personal and posters became complaining about the other posters said Dawson Lee Powell. Can you all stop complaining about the people complaining about the meat so I can see their post? More people are complaining about the people complaining about the post and now I'm complaining about the people who are complaining that are people complaining about the post. <laughs> says the world of Cracker Barrel. <laughs> we were we you, went to that's we the, went to Cracker Barrel together, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You and me and Nick tried to crack <sighs> Cracker Barrel and Swallows because it was on my bucket list because right. for the longest time it wasn't up here, um, and not only was it wildly bland, was, it was the only thing I think in the last ten or fifteen years that's ever made me like go home and be like, I don't uh, feel okay. good at all. And let me make it very clear: I eat garbage. <laughs> no, like no, me too, and. What what was remarkable, we ordered a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a full table of all the shades of beige. <laughs> like, and it that was, is so true. It was all just, this is a dark beige, and this is a light beige. And <laughs> Slathered this is, in lighter beige. Right, and this is, you know, this is mashed potatoes covered in beige. 
and this chicken is beige and the flavor flavor is beige beige. everything (laughs) just there was no green anywhere to be found no there was was no other colors it was just uh, that's shades of beige so now it's just i think just the waffle house i think is my only other restaurant that i have in my in my bucket list yeah yeah I don't but, think we've been to a buck, uh, Waffle House either. No. Yeah. no. Well, that is a roundup of my of my news and vacation. Cool. Well, <clears throat> I wanted to just talk about VHS uh, and yes. Betamax just in general. Like, how do they work? How, how did they work? A little bit uh, about it. It's not a super long topic. But, no, but it's uh, nice because it, what we did a long time ago talk about kind of the war, the format war between yep. them, but we didn't really talk about how any of it works. Yeah. So there's, uh, so JVC was the big competitor to Sony and Sony came out with the, uh, the Betamax. Yes. And I brought, you asked me to bring examples. Yep. So I have a Betamax. Uh, oh, oh, aptly. Telly Savalas narrates Grand Canyon, a journey into discovery. So very apt for my trip. Of, very um, apt. Oh, Telly. <coughs> Telly Savalas. Telly uh, and then for my VHS, I brought Squirrely Adventures with Greg Bassett and his furry friends, <laughs> which has the greatest cover in the world. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> which is a man talking to a screen door that has a squirrel on it that was taken by a camera in 1982. I think it's on his chest. Oh, is it? Like, okay. Yeah. No. The, oh, yeah, the yeah, squirrel okay, is right, right. on his. For well, most of the tape, it's just person. a home video of someone standing by a screen door talking to squirrels <laughs> in his backyard. Uh, cool. So, um, regarding the the battle between the two, the you know, like the big notable things are uh sony wanted a license fee paid to sony for any products produced under the betamax name right jvc had an open source uh thing and said uh you can make all of the vhs things that you want oh interesting uh except using their logo on your merch which i have found out because that's the one thing they've held on to (laughs) (laughs) um do you know what vhs stands for uh, yes, because I use it to my thing is video and it doesn't make any sense. Video head system. Video home system. Oh, the yes. home yeah, system. system. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And so the, um, the, the big thing was trying to get with video into the home. Of I think consumers. they would have gone with HVS because that's home, home video, video system, system instead of video home system, which is oddly clunky, but maybe it's cause it's a translation. And, well, there was all. There was already the concept of VCR, and so I wonder oh, if VCR, okay. VHS, so kind of uh, right. I don't know. Uh, we could talk to the marketing people, but um, yeah. So the the technology is almost identical between the two. the The big challenge was we had reel to reel at that point, reel to reel tape of magnetic magnetic strips, and. Uh, that works great uh, making a cassette of audio because the frequency that you need to uh, get to for audio is maximum of about 20 uh, kilohertz, uh, 20,000 hertz. In order to store a video signal, we need almost 5 megahertz. And so not a huge uh uh, frequency by today's standards, but compared to 20,000, uh, 5 million, uh, <laughs> what was a lot. And so 
the way that you're you're storing things is uh, you need to make uh, it, it needs to go along the tape. And so what they were trying to solve was how do we make the tape small enough and long enough to store a one hour movie? There was a machine that was uh, produced cost fifty thousand dollars at the time and so uh which is about a half a million dollars by by today's uh equivalents that was able to store tapes but it could only do about 15 minutes because you had to do like 25 meters a second (laughs) of of data in order you know your your the challenge was getting the data onto the tape uh, and so that you needed to fly as much tape across that playhead in order to store that much data. Well, one person at JVC was like, well, what if instead of the head staying still and we put the tape over it, let's make the head at an angle and spin the head and we'll just make a bunch of little slices along the, the tape. And so that is the core technology behind both VHS and uh, Betamax. And so you heard about, you know, it started with two heads. And so then, when they had VCRs, not to interrupt, because you yep. said, well, their VCRs existed already. What were they playing? Like reel to reel video you're, you're talking about? Reel to reel, yeah. Okay. And so uh, this was the first introduction. There, there was an implementation of, uh, I was called, U Max or U okay. something uh, that uh, there was another standard by Sony before the Betamax. Okay, uh, but the tape was really big, and it it instead of doing slices at an angle, what it it did is uh, it had a one inch tape in a uh, spool, much like an eight track tape where it spirals. Right. And so the tape would, uh, have horizontal stripes of data, uh, along it. And so as it would record, it would just move down. And, and so you could get multiple, uh, tracks right. of, of video onto the tape by doing it that way. So that was how they were trying to solve the problem is just making, a huge loop right. and but tracking became an issue and it, it was problematic and and never worked out and mm-hmm. so uh and so this technology of making the head spin uh where it was reading and writing uh from this uh round drum that spins inside the vhs player it's at an angle with uh, two or four. There's also a three head and a five head uh, that helped when you pressed pause so it didn't look oh, all sure. things. Uh, <clears throat> and so those were used to uh, take little stripes of data off of the uh, half inch tape. And so the these are half okay. inch tapes. And once you put the cassette in the reader there's a lot of things that happen but yeah. basically the the tape gets pulled out of the of the cassette and wrapped around a head that's spinning that could uh, then as the 
tape is going over that head, the head is spinning, it takes little slices of information off of the tape and is able to reproduce that. And so it's a lot of clever little tricks that they did to try and uh, make it more dense uh, with the same amount of tape space. And and so much of it is amazingly mechanical. Like, I, of course, I've... Uh, a lot of VCRs and I've taken you've taken the lid off or whatever and when you put that tape on and it puts the little forks in them and yep. it takes out the tape and winds them around like five different things and rubber stoppers and leads and this and guides and then yep. around that head and it's so amazing. The v- VHS had uh, an M style uh, thing so when the two heads uh, two little guides brought the tape around the uh, the head the reading head the tape kind of goes in an m shape right so betamax was named after the shape of uh what the tape looks like going around the betamax so instead of two pulling on either side of the head it has one that swings it all the way around the head and makes this weird s you know, right. lowercase d kind of thing. <laughs> Nobody has yet been able to describe it as being a beta shape yeah. to me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and there, there's very passionate people about the difference in quality between the Betamax and, and VHS. And I've watched a bunch of different dissertations on that. And basically they're equivalent. Yeah. Uh, there was minor differences between yeah, the Betamax had like 14 points of contact of, of the tape inside the rollers, and the VHS has like 12, right. and so uh, a little bit savings there. So it has so less your, wear your home on the recording tape. of Max Headroom over a bad antenna <laughs> that's exactly. been taped over 90 other things exactly. will be. <laughs> they only have a, a shelf life of about 35 years, and so the magnetism in the tape starts to degrade, and so... Uh, if you've got an old tape that's on your shelf that you're like, I'm going to keep that forever and it's always going to be with me, uh, go get that digitized yeah. and put that uh, onto Todd's phone to back up uh, <laughs> so that we'll have it forever. At the bottom of the river. <laughs> At the bottom of the river. Uh, because uh, they will not last forever and you should get uh, get them checked. Although, I mean, they are so, and we're, we're looking at both of them. So both beta and, and VHS look similar. Beta is, is a smaller, the, the tape itself is smaller and kind of more compact and only has one window as opposed to like the two spool windows. But they are remarkably robust. Yep. Like I would much rather, like I've tried to digitize all the CDs that I had in high school. Like I can't do any of them. They're all too scratched or too whatever. And like I find tapes from the bin or that have been in the back shed in rainstorms in Portland for the last 30 years. And I pop them in and with a little bit of elbow grease, you can get them to play. So it's, it's surprising. But yeah, they are magnetic. So all of that depends like if you are storing it up on its end i mean it's yep. just a physical magnetic thing that keeps getting drawn back towards back towards gravity and will eventually just kind of re re uh reassimilate yeah, yeah realign all the things um thirty frames a second five megahertz yeah it's that's that's kind of that's it. interesting yeah 
Yeah. Um, so then mostly what, and I think we talked about this a little bit before, I think mostly what caused the VHS boom then was that nobody had to pay Sony for... Nobody had to pay Sony, and uh, JVC did some really great alignments with uh, VHS sellers. And so they went to Blockbuster and was like, we will give you special deals. And so they ink. It inched up the market share just enough. And once you were over the hump, uh, then everybody's like, well, right. It just goes up exponentially. It's like, oh, well, I don't have a Betamax machine. I'm going to get the VHS. And then once enough people do that, uh, it cascades. And and so uh, it is a bummer, though, to have to have a Sony machine in order to play them. I mean, that's just shooting yourself in the foot at some point. Yeah. And so, uh, wow. And then the DVD came along and, uh, all was for naught. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. One of the, so I have a Betamax player at home, um, that mostly works, but I found, I found a couple tapes. So I found a whole stash of brand new beta tapes, like empty oh, wow. beta tapes just at the value village. And they were all like individually wrapped. I was like, well, that's weird. So I bought a bunch of those and I'll find a tape every now and then like this, like my Telly Savalas tape. But, um, oh shit, what was I going to say? Oh, someone's got a vamp for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've completely derailed my own train of thought <laughs> looking at Telly Savalas' tape. Uh, um, a lot of the technology of the shuttling of the tape uh, is inside the VHS. Uh, they did a lot more to make the machines smaller. Oh. versus Betamax, almost all of the technology is outside and needs the tape to go outside of the cassette in order to work. Oh, I see. Yeah, because if you open, which I used to make lamps out of the VHS tapes, and like number one, there's seven screws to like just to get into it, and there's springs and tiny things, and like everything is so delicate to get that side thing to flip up, yep. which I noticed you can't do on the beta tape. It doesn't have that little release. It's got a release right over here. And so you gotta, Uh, you got to use a special thing, but yeah, I mean, they are really complicated little pieces of engineering on the insides of these tapes that rely on a, on a lot of different things. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, Oh, but VHS can hold more because it is a bigger physical. And that was another thing. I think that pushed, pushed VHS over the, so this hole here is for, uh, a light bulb. There's yeah, a little, that's right. There's a little rod with a little light bulb there. And these holes over on either side were where light sensors were. And so at the end of a VHS tape, they're clear. And if the sensors see the light, then they know it's the end of the tape. The way that the Betamax does that is the ends of the tape are metallic. Oh. And there's sensors outside of the cassette that are metal detectors. Yeah. And when they detect the metal, then they know it's the end of the tape. Wow. Yeah. It all this, it's so, it's so interesting. And so like, like I said, like with, with a CD, it's so easy to just like, it's magic. It's a laser, whatever you look at it. It's like a piece of plastic, but like every time you pick up one of these tapes and you just realize how much engineering and how much yeah. stuff went into into it wow that's so interesting well thanks for that little wrap up because i didn't really know a lot of 
how they work inside. I just know how to get them to work. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So the, I had the Betamax machine and I found somebody's beta tape with a hand label on it that said December 2019 SpongeBob. So someone was still using their Betamax to tape nice. SpongeBob in 2019. Nice. Which is wild. But yeah, those old machines are built like old Chryslers. It's like they're 50 pounds and it like is the size of a record player. It's like they're huge, huge things. So well, good. Yay. Let's bring this to a close. That was nice about my, my guest host too, is that especially with Dave and Nate, they could just talk forever and I didn't have to worry about going over. <laughs> I respected Chelsea's time. So we kept it to a decent hour, but <laughs> well, it was great to be back on the Mark and Todd cast with Mark. So uh, I've forgotten how to, I don't know how to end shows anymore. What am I going to, I am an actress. <laughs> so I have a great little, um, audio bit to, take Oh, perfect. With, perfect. I think if I can find it, um, well, yeah, you, you look for that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, check out funemploymentradio.com and you can, um, listen to their show every day of the week. They have uh, Rick Emerson on, usually every week or every other week. So his shows are always, always work worth listening to, especially if you're curious about what it's like to have just wrote a book that uh, is, is pretty high profile at this point. So check them out. Uh, Aaron Duran's show geek in the city is also on there as uh, Portland, the movies and us and they're great. And <laughs> things are really happening over there. They just took it. Did you know there's a Bigfoot cruise in Portland? What? So no. it's, it's one of the, by the Sternwheeler company, whatever company owns the, the other, the other river boats, but it, you do see all the sites, but they have all these like, and then there was a Sasquatch right there or whatever. And so they went on it and they sat next to this lady from England who they kind of eventually struck up a conversation with. And that lady from England was like, I had no idea that this was a Sasquatch. (laughs) She just like thought it was going to be like a, see the sights of the gorge or whatever. And she's like, these people all talk about Bigfoot so much. (laughs) She had like That's no idea. Amazing. That I want to do the hot tub, the um, yacht tubs, which are uh, the hot tub yeah. yachts. Um, there, they that company keeps expanding. They there's a company up in Puget Sound in in uh, okay Lake Washington up by uh, Seattle that does those and, the yacht tubs. Uh, the yacht tubs. Oh, so cool. One of these days. Well, thank you everyone for listening. It is good to be back. Um, the end. Mark has something to play. So totally. Um, you, you're the one hooked up oh. to the thing. Do you so. need this? Sure. Doop, doop. It's going to be worth it. It's at the very end of the show. We're an hour, hour 22 in and you can't shut it off now. If you're listening right now and you're thinking of just like quick fast forwarding and getting to the next podcast because this is pointless to listen to. Well, then shame on you. So this is a Zenith dealer demo of how VHS uh, uh, and VCR heads work. And so uh, this is. Am I? I don't think I'm going into the thing. Hold on. Broadcast pro stereo. Here we are. We're going to do it. It's a great synth. 
Zenith's In Focus Sales Training Program. The purpose of this program is to explain what headcount really means wow. in terms of video and audio performance. Oh, hi. Customers see you come who understand in. the value of added performance will be more likely to want that performance in the Zenith products they buy. <laughs> That's great. All right. We'll see you all later. Bye. Bye. To really understand how headcount relates to performance, let's examine how the video signal is recorded. We'll start by taking a look under the hood.